0: Today's episode is about discipline and how it relates to you, your life, and your money. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 165. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing, and you should too. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I'm your host of The Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people. That is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, a fiduciary, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and it is great to be with you today. Today's episode is going to be about discipline and how that relates to you and your life. And most importantly, because this is a financial podcast, your money. But before we get to the topic of the day, if you have not reviewed Best in Wealth yet on the iTunes Purple Podcast app, I would greatly appreciate it. It allows many more people to see the show. There's a lot of podcasts out there and that I would be very appreciative of that. And if you have ever thought about working with an advisor and as you start listening to this episode, if things are resonating with you and you wanna have a quick call with me, your host, go to bestinwealth.com, click on the work with me button and schedule a 15 minute call. Just will be a call. So that you and I can get to know each other, so that I can learn what's going on in your life and to see if I can add value to your life. Now, I've been worried lately. I've been worried because every year, and if you've been listening to the show for a long time, I've been doing this show for over five years. I started Jan 1 plan every single stinking January and I'm going to eat right, and I'm going to exercise, and man, I'm going to be the best version of myself come the end of the year. But then two weeks pass or three months pass, and I just get out of it. I mean, how many times have you vowed to improve your self-discipline, only to find yourself failing a few weeks later. That is me. That is me every single year. I spend hours creating just a awesome color-coded schedule of what I'm going to do every day to make sure I'm eating right and exercising. I set up my app, my initial weight. I watch it start dropping. I'm tracking my food. I'm weighing my food. My wife gets so mad when I weigh my food. I get all this stuff set up because I'm going to crush my goals. I swear that I'm going to wake up at dawn every morning and live my best life. All I have to do is follow the plan. And then one thing leads to another. I oversleep or miss a workout. I can't concentrate on keeping up with the apps and the schedule and making the food and the meal plan and the exercise. And so I resort to starting to eat donuts again and skipping workouts and none of the habits that I tried to form stuck and I'm right back where I started. Now, I'm worried because it hasn't happened yet, but this is middle of March. This is about (laughs) the time that it happens. Here's where I need you, every one of you. Say a little prayer for me that I'm gonna continue on. Send me a message, Scott at scottatfortressplanninggroup.com with a little, you know, nudge and say that I can do it because I need every one of you to help me stay disciplined. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. Let's talk about discipline, how it relates to you, your life, and most importantly, your money. So first, the definition of discipline. Just grabbed it off the internet. It's the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. That's a mouthful. Let's work through it. And I think it's important to start with the why. Why do you want to be disciplined? What is the outcome you want to achieve? Well, And finances or your money, I hope it's retirement or get your kids through college or financial freedom or to buy that house you want. And then there's us as investors. We think we're sensible, good investors and independent thinkers. Investors, we think that we're disciplined when it comes to investing because we stay in the market when the stock market's down. But I'm here to tell you right now, you are not a good investor or most of you aren't. I'm not either. That's why we got to practice discipline because studies show that we behave irrationally. I mean, behavioral science and investing is becoming a huge little segment because there's behavioral biases all over our investing experience and there are hurdles and blockades. We end up taking the risk that we take is so we can achieve a good long-term return. But a lot of studies out there, including the Dalbar study, you can look that up on the internet. It's been a study that's been going on for, I think, 30 years plus, and it shows all of the mutual fund indexes and in the different sectors and how the indexes did, how the overall market did, and then how the individual investors did. And year after year and five-year period after five-year period and 10-year period after 10-year period, we show that we do rotten. Compared to the average. Why? Because it's so hard to stay disciplined. It's easy to say you're staying in the market, but I'm going to talk to you about six behaviors that can affect our investment returns. And I'm going to list them off first hurting behavior, overconfidence, myopic loss aversion, recency bias, whole market bias and disposition of fact. What do these mean? Well, let's break them down. Let's start with hurting behavior. This is huge. Think Bitcoin. You know, I think in two weeks I'm going to do another episode on Bitcoin, although I did one a couple of years ago. And as I think through doing this podcast every other week that I'm on this cadence, I think Two episodes a month will be more fluff, kind of like this, but the fluff is where the real important stuff is. And then two episodes a month on mechanically doing things like strategic rebalancing, which was episode 164 a couple of weeks ago. Back to hurting behavior. We are hardwired to look to others for the right way to behave. The problem with hurting is a lack of independent thought and evaluation. Instead, we look to see what we think others are doing or what they're doing, and we watch and we see something like Bitcoin that's been going up and up and up, all because of supply and demand. More people that get into Bitcoin, more people that want to get into Bitcoin. So a year ago when Bitcoin was, I don't even know where it was at, let's just say 20,000 or 15,000, and now it's at 50 plus thousand. We feel like we need to follow that herd and get into Bitcoin right now. That's hurting behavior. The problem with hurting behavior is we end up chasing the hot dot, chasing the great recent returns. So we buy in at 50 grand or 40 grand or 30 grand and then the market corrects. And here we are holding Bitcoin down a bunch. And I'm just using Bitcoin as a example. What about technology stocks? People got into Apple, Facebook, all kinds of technology stocks or ETF sectors thinking it was just going to keep going up and up and up and maybe chasing that dot, I don't know, in June or September. And if we look at technology stocks as a whole, especially the last month. But if we look at six months, there's so many better places we could have been than in technology stocks. Hurting behavior can hurt our investments. Next, overconfidence. Overconfidence bias leads investors to overestimate their knowledge and ability while underestimating risk. We think that we're good investors, and that's why I started this episode saying we are not How can I say that, Scott? Why aren't we good investors? Because we think we're smart. We made a couple of good stock picks or ETF picks or sector picks, and now we think we're smarter than the market. The problem is nobody's smarter than the market. Even the people who have the highest IQs and make millions of dollars every year trying to predict which way the market is headed, They have a very difficult time beating the averages as well. That's why when I look back 20 years and I look at traditional actively managed funds, only about 25% of them actually beat their index. It's really hard. And part of the reason is just thinking of what the efficient market hypothesis actually is. I mean, it states that stock prices reflect all market information. So consistent outperformance of investment markets is impossible. I mean, if you're looking at a company or a sector that you want to buy right now, remember one thing, that everything that we know about that company or that sector is already priced into the market. Now, some people are right And some people are wrong, and different people have different opinions. But when millions and millions of participants come to the table every day to buy and sell a certain stock or sector, these market forces are driving the price to something that is getting close to accurate. So, you buying a company or a sector and not being extremely diversified, or chasing the hot dot from herd mentality on something that has recent good returns. Oh boy, you are pitting yourself against millions and millions of investors and you might as well flip a coin. Overconfidence can kill your portfolio. What about myopic loss aversion? Loss aversion means that investors are more sensitive to losses than to gains. Myopic loss aversion is a hypersensitive version of loss aversion. This occurs more frequently when investors are checking their performance every single day. Some of us think we're smart because we're looking at our portfolio every day. This oversensitivity to loss creeps in further by excessive checking of your mutual funds or stocks every day. And this causes investors to behave irrationally. It's common for those experiencing loss or myopic loss aversion to sell after a market drop and realize losses that would have been erased had the investor held the assets and waited for prices to rebound. It's really hard. Loss aversion. So I've read a study once that when you feel good about something, like a market gain, like you look at your portfolio and it was $500,000 and a quarter later it's $600,000, man, that feels good. But the opposite, if you start with 500 and look back after a quarter and you're at 400, that loss hurts twice as bad as the feeling of good. Loss aversion hurts. Loss aversion makes us be irrational about our money. It's really hard not to be subjective about our own money. All right. Recency bias. Boy, this is something that is just a killer when we're trying to be a disciplined investor. People, including me, have short memories and recall recent events more clearly than those in the past. This phenomenon is also known as recency bias. And it's especially dangerous in investing. I mean, think about it. And I know I mentioned this six months ago, a year ago. But when I'm listening to the Green Bay Packers and when I'm listening to talk radio and the Packers are on a two-game winning streak, those calls come in and people are acting like the Packers are never going to lose a game ever again because they won two games in a row. It's all they remember is how great they've played. Then they go on a two-game losing streak. They go on a two-game losing streak. Heck, sometimes only a one-game losing streak. And the calls come in, and you'd act like the Packers will never be able to win a football game for the rest of Packer history. That's recency bias. And how does that play a role in our investing? Well, we forget about prior market declines. So when the market's doing really well, all we remember is how good things are going. So we make our portfolio more risky, more risky. We looked at The sectors like technology recently that have done really well. So we get into that because we're so smart, because we're overconfident. I mean, all of these things are working together. We're following the herd behavior. And next thing we know, we see technology lose 20, 30 percent. In the bubble, I think it was 50 or 60 percent. Some of those sectors were down 90 percent. That's recency bias. The same holds true when the market's doing bad. When the market's doing bad, we want to reduce our risk. And that's what this whole market timing is all about. People tell me all the time, Scott, I'm not selling my stocks. I'm not selling my portfolio. But you're shifting stuff around. You're getting more and less risky depending on how you feel, depending on your recency bias, depending on your overconfidence, depending on the herd behavior. And it's causing problems in your portfolio and you don't even know it. You're not getting all the return that you deserve because you're not disciplined. You might still be in the market, but you're not staying in your lane because you don't really have a plan or you thought you had a plan, but it got really difficult to be disciplined because all of these biases are crushing down on us. And there's two more I want to get through. The first is whole market bias. Whole market bias can be looked at a couple of different ways. First, as investors, as US investors, we have more than 90% of our money invested domestically in the U.S., even though the U.S. represents about 50% of the total market cap, the total global capitalization. We end up not as diversified as we could be because of our home bias. Even worse, the way home bias works for any individual stock pickers out there are people holding their own company stock. We feel like if a company's in our backyard, if a company's in the state that we live in, in the city that we live in, or the company that we work for, that we just know more than the next guy, that we know more than the next girl, that we know next, more than the next person, so we're gonna invest in that company. That's a home market bias. We're overconfident because we know this company. We buy this company. We shop at this company at the mall. We eat this company's product. We shop online with this company. That's home market bias. And when we have home market bias, it goes right back into this whole overconfidence thing. We tend to hold more company stock than we should. We hold our restricted stock units or incentive stock options longer than we should because we feel like we know more about this company. Now, I'm not saying you don't know more than I do, But I'm also telling you that there's millions of people that know the same stuff that you do. And it goes right back into the efficient market hypothesis. And now we end up overcommitted with our market home bias. And when the carpet gets pulled from under us, man, now we're experiencing the loss aversion. It all works together. Finally, last one I wanna talk about is disposition effect. There is little that investors hate worse than admitting that they're wrong and taking a loss. Well, isn't that true when it comes to things like politics? People don't ever admit that they're wrong, do they? When it comes to the Green Bay Packers with me, I don't like to admit that I'm wrong. If I think we have a really good team and our team ends up pretty bad, I try and make excuses. But we got this disposition effect where we tend to hang on to losers all the way down. We ended up with our overconfidence and our home market bias getting too risky with our investments because of our recency bias, and the market's been doing well, or that particular sector's been doing well. And our portfolio's grown immensely. It's grown from that 500,000 to 750,000. And now it's back down. Now it's gone from 750 to 650 in three or four weeks. We got this disposition effect where we gotta wait, we gotta hold on to it, even though it's way over our risk level. Even though other sectors might be poised to be doing better than the sector that we're in or the company that we bought, but we can't help it. We got to hold on. We got to hold on until we at least get back to that $750,000, right? I mean, it feels like such a loss. Remember, those losses hurt twice as much as when the gain felt good. We don't know what to do. You see, all of these biases are working together, makes it very difficult. And the same as winners, It's really tough for us with the disposition effect to sell our winners. We watched Apple go way up. We're gonna ride that thing forever. And then it goes down. Then it goes down 20 or 30%. Well, we were already up 200 or 300%. We could have sold a long time ago, but we have a hard time because we don't really have a plan. It's not really written out. We aren't really as disciplined as we thought we were. Discipline the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct Disobedience what's your punishment in investing? We talk about punishment your punishment is when all of these biases are working together And you're not getting what you should From your investments because of all of these biases your punishment is working longer Your punishment is not retiring at 50 or 55 or 60 because you got to keep working. Or you're not doing the kinds of things in retirement that you wish you were doing. In my job, I have to tell people when they aren't ready to retire and it hurts. And a lot of times it's because these biases that have been working against them for years and they didn't even know why this was even happening. And I want you to start with your Why? Why do you want to be disciplined? What is the outcome that you want to achieve? you want to get all your work done and be more productive so you can spend more time with your family? Do you want to build healthy eating and exercise habits like me so you can have more energy and more confidence and your clothes actually fit and you don't have heartburn anymore? And you can actually sit on the floor and you can get back up without having 10 people help you get back up? Do you want to launch your career, start your business? What do you want to do? See, you have to have a reason for why you are doing this. If you don't have a specific mind and goal, it's easy to give up when the going gets tough. You simply won't care enough to push through. But when it comes to being a family steward, when it comes to your investments, you better start caring because your family is counting on you. If you don't have a plan, specific investment plan, go to Best in Wealth right now. Hit the work with me and just have a 15-minute conversation. You won't be disappointed and I'll get to know you a little better, but my time is up. I have to go. I will see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, everyone.